0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time to go inside the front office of the athletics with the general manager of the A's David Forst here. Now is the David Forst show with Chris Townsend. Very rare. Can you go from the manager show? to the general manager show. David Force is with us here on A's Cast Live. And uh, that it just that gives you the opportunity to go you know what I don't agree with anything you have to say.
1: <laughs> I feel like the headliner went first and now I'm now the crowd's all warmed up. I got nothing to offer.
0: Oh you're the veteran here, you kidding me? He's the
1: rookie, he's setting you up. Hey yeah, he's got like six months on me. He's the old man in this uh, in this dynamic so
0: so interesting trip And we talked to him about it like, man, only two times in 26 years where you have a five-game set. I know you're used to that in AAA, but, like, I mean, after we got done, I felt like I could do Tiger's pre- and post-game show. (laughs) We knew him so well. Like, I'm not used to that. I kind of liked it. It was interesting. It would be really interesting if there were some dust-ups early, but – uh, what did you think about that?
1: Yeah, look, it's a lot of baseball to play against one team. And, and you know, to your point, I'm glad there weren't any dust-ups early because no. that's what we worry about in the minor leagues when you play a team six straight days is that, you know, you're going to get too familiar with one another. But, um, but no, I, look, I thought we played great. I thought we, we did a good job exploiting some of the things that we learned about them over the course of the series. And, you know, credit to Emo and Marcus and their game planning with the pitchers. We did a great job.
0: You know, the great thing about what we do here with AceCast and AceCast Live is we really give yourself and and Mark a chance to, you know, talk about stuff that, you know, you're just not going to do with the beat writers all the time. And he talked about he wanted to open up now. He wanted to let it breathe a little bit. But the whole meeting that they had in Detroit and we talked about that and he wanted to talk about it today. And because you can't have meetings all the time because if you have meetings all the time, you know, your guys are going to start rolling their eyes and not care. Um, a very productive meeting that's good
1: to see for, for sure yeah and he he talked to me a little bit while we were in Minnesota about some of the things he wanted to, to say to the hitters and trying to pick the right spot and look after you after you lose nine straight like it's probably a bit, pretty good time to say something and get it off your chest and uh, he felt like it went really well at the time and obviously the results kind of speak for themselves I know he he, he and, and Tommy and Crony wanted to talk to the hitters about some of the some of the things that, that felt like other teams were exploiting with us and, and hitting the ball in the air and not having anything to show for it, and we needed to play more team offense, and I thought they did a nice job of it.
0: You know, when you think about that losing streak, because that's kind of been like I know for, with the fans, there's always that, oh, no, is this is when the floor is going to drop, and unfortunately you lose nine straight. That happens real fast. What that? What's that like? You're not used to that? Yeah. What's it like? How frustrating is it? I'm sure you want to make a ton of moves, but just just take us through that.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. You know, you, you get to a point where you almost forget, you know, forget what it looks like to win a game. I mean, as a, as a player, you know, I think you always have this idea that you're one hit away or, 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 you know, or one good game away. You know, when you have to sit there and watch, you sort of forget what this team does well and, and how, you know, how well we can pitch, how well we can put – you know base runners on and, and you almost say like god i don't remember what it looks like when we win so it's it's nice to sort of have a game to bounce out of it and then put on top of it you know three more you know winning four out of five to say like oh wait this team does have the ability to get guys on to move guys over get them in the pitchers do have the ability to throw up some zeros um, and, and we're not going to be stuck in that you know sort of that pattern that we got into in those three series
0: well minnesota those three games are all close yep and then all of a sudden, you know, I've been calling this the year of discovery. Let's find the guys that can help now and help later. And we just had Zach Logan. And I think about Martinez and his debut. You got guys going out there, not walking anybody, not giving up any runs, young players who you acquired in a couple of trades. How nice is it to see the guys from the trades helping out now?
1: 100. percent Well, you 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 said it. Not walking anybody. It's something That's huge. Something we've always preached with our pitching. Emo's done a great job. You, you don't put guys on base. You give yourself a chance. And in fact, I I texted a little bit with A.J. Hinch after the series just because we have a you know a long relationship. And he obviously wasn't happy with how his club played. But he made the point. He said, "Your guys didn't walk us, and and they, you don't give them extra opportunities." So particularly with Martinez and Logue, obviously guys who just got here, but to come in and make a good impression, they barely, you know, Martinez did not get any big league camp time. We traded for him basically on the way out the door. Uh, Logue was there for just a little bit. We saw him a couple weeks ago for a quick stint, but for him to come up, pitch the way he has in two starts, give us an opportunity to win both times, that goes a really long way towards how we view him, how we view his opportunity at this level.
0: Don't you have to kind of like, first second starts in the big leagues understand that heart emotion adrenaline right it's kind of hard to judge
1: these guys I mean think back to James Caprillion's first inning in Fenway Park last year when like he admitted afterwards he could could not feel the ball he could barely like feel his feet touching the ground like (laughs) you have to understand there's gonna be some emotions and some nerves involved I mean if you judge cap on that first inning there, he never gets back to the big leagues. Like, we don't see anything of what we have afterwards. But, yeah, you got to give them a little leeway. And for particularly a guy like Adrian to come in, doesn't know anybody in the clubhouse, he's never been in an A's uniform, to come out there and throw strikes and perform the way he did is is a really impressive thing.
0: We just told Zach Lowe, you know, guy that comes on this show all the time is Tom Glavin, the Hall of Famer, who was a hockey player drafted by the L.A. Kings. Mm-hmm. And Lowe's a hockey guy. I mean, there's something about that. <laughs> Toughness of playing that sport. You know, whether you're a kid that played football or you played, I got to be tough to play that sport. And, you know, he's not going to go out there and throw a bye all day long. But yeah. that new cutter he got in independent ball and everything, just this lefty looks tough. What are you seeing?
1: That's a it's a pretty good comparison anytime you're talking about Tom Glavin for a left handed pitcher. There's, look, there's obviously some deception to his delivery. I mean, I was watching the post game show on, uh, on NBC and they showed five or six clips in a row of him pitching. And it almost looks like his timing is just a little bit different. Every time he goes to the plate, he hesitates, he has that leg kick, the ball's hidden behind, and, and obviously, Detroit hitters just didn't pick it up. So, you know, anytime you can add deception to strike throwing and, and three or four pitches, you know, you got a chance.
0: Numbers around the league are way down offensively. And yes. We've been breaking that down, and I don't know if it's. You need to only be putting cigars in humidors, maybe not baseballs. <laughs> Pitchers don't have spider tack and sunscreen anymore. I mean, I don't know. Like, you've got a bunch of guys with low averages, yeah. but the whole league is like that. What do you think's going
1: on? I, it's a Look, this is a different offensive environment that we're playing in. It just is. You know, whether, you know, whether it's the humidors, the baseballs themselves, whatever it is, there's enough data now that we're five, six weeks in the season to say, like, this is not the same game we've been playing the past few years and, and whoever adjusts is going to, you know, is going to thrive. Like we, we are not the Yankees. We're not going to hit the ball out of the park, regardless of what ball you're throwing up there. It just isn't going to happen. So you have to adjust and, and, That's something we cannot control, what the baseball does or what it looks like. So if our pitchers take advantage of it, if our hitters can find a way to adjust, then that's how you win games. But, look, there is enough data to say the offensive environment is different.
0: You know, sometimes really simple questions aren't that dumb, and I'm going to give one to you. Okay. Because you guys love your data. Yep. You love your analytics. And you really love science because StatCast is basically science, right? How do I know scientifically what a humidor does to a baseball in Oakland versus Houston versus Kansas City versus Minnesota versus Miami, like how do we know exactly what the humidors are doing to each baseball in each
1: park? You're gonna have to ask someone a lot smarter than me. You you just are. An easy question, isn't that dumb? (laughs) Yeah, you're gonna have to ask someone else. I, I don't know the answer to that, I can tell you you know how far the balls travel and you know what certain exit velo and a certain launch angle does now compared to what it did a year ago but i i can't tell you exactly what the the what the humidor actually does to the baseball i don't know
0: isn't that weird because uh, the baseball is the most important part of right. this game gear wise it's it not is? your glove it's not the bat the ball the game starts with the ball being thrown
1: 100 percent. so uh, look the idea was obviously to create a consistent baseball across all 30 parts um, but all 30 parks are different. Like uh, the, the humidored baseball in Oakland is going to travel differently than it does somewhere else. We, you know, we've known that since the beginning of time that the ball in this park, when there's a marine layer or at night, it just doesn't travel. It's different than other places.
0: So when we're looking at your team right now and you don't have that many position players, I, I, I immediately that play in Detroit, Elvis goes out. Chad's yeah. coming in. They collide. Man, he, Chad got smoked in the face by Elvis's leg. You saw the net go. I mean, you worry about the players. And then this has kind of been my biggest fear. Like, you only got so many guys on the bench, yeah. and it's a doubleheader. you got a whole nother game. What were you thinking when that goes on?
1: Yeah. I, first of all, I was – so happy that both guys were okay it looked awful for Chad and you're just you know you see Nick out there on the field and then Jeff Collins comes running out and you're like oh my god are we gonna have to cart Chad off the field you're just desperate for any sort of sign that he's doing okay so thank goodness he was um but yeah particularly first game of a double header you're thinking how the heck are we going to get through this thing with enough healthy bodies I mean we have chosen obviously to go with 12 position players and, and that will change at the end of the month because it's mandated that you can only have 13 pitchers come May 29th but we've chosen to go with 12 position players because we think an extra guy in the bullpen gives us the best opportunity to win games but that comes with some risks and it comes with some limitations on what cots can do with the lineup so I'm I, look I'm very happy they were both okay but yeah when that happens you're immediately you know I'm texting Dan Feinstein we're talking you know when's the next flight in detroit who's the next guy up like those are the things you have to think about right away
0: i mean i, I mean I, if i'm thinking about it i know you're thinking about <laughs> it cuz i was like oh my god cuz you know a lot of these teams yeah you say you got 12 guys but one guy's a backup catcher mm-hmm. right who may not be i mean that's like emergency sit like the emergency quarterback maybe putting a guy out there and when you talk about rosters, would you – how if you ideally could do it, let's say, you know, 25, 26, whatever we want to play, what ideally would you like to be able to play with roster-wise, pitchers versus position players?
1: You know, we've kind of gotten used to that 28 number here the last couple of years when we had it for COVID and, and had it at the beginning of this year. Like, that has felt like a little bit of a sweet spot. Um, ultimately, I think – you know, I don't think we'd go beyond nine guys in the bullpen no matter what. Like, that's been a good mix. Kotz and Emo have done a great job of giving guys days off, of moving guys around in roles. So, I think we've we found nine relievers. Now, that sounds ridiculous to some people, because back in the day, Tony LaRusso was here at the A's with six guys out there, and they were all fine, and they were all throwing 100 innings each. So, look, the game has evolved. We're a little bit spoiled by the ability to have extra arms out there and have guys go one inning at a time. But, um... But, yeah, I mean, at 26, I think, you know, 14 and 12 has been pretty successful for us. And, again, like I said, it's not ideal to only have three guys on the bench in case of injury, in case you want to pinch hit. Um, but this bullpen mix has worked really well for us.
0: Is the not having 28 at this point, is that really just about not adding to payroll?
1: I don't think so. I mean, I think, look, we how many years do we play with 25? I think Forever. Yeah, it's a big jump. I mean, the, it took us a long time to get a 26 man, you know, whether that's, both players and and the owner side sort of uh, sort of adjusting to that, but I don't. I think 28 is is a big step. I'm not sure we're going to get there full time.
0: Or you could have guys like Shohei Otani who do two different <laughs> things. Right. Will you be more? I, we joke with Katsay because I played against Katse in college. He yeah. was Shohei Otani. He was. He'd go out, go three for four against us, then he'd come in, throw 96, and, and close the game out from center field. I saw that with my own eye. Um, Would you be more open to it now than ever before after seeing it with Shoei Otani?
1: Look, I think I've always been open to it. I just, you have to have the right guy. Like, this is a a once-in-a-generation guy. You can't just turn anybody into uh, a two-way player. I mean, they've they've got Lorenzen, too, who has played the outfield some, but, you know, they've turned him into a full-time starting pitcher. It's just, it's not easy. You're talking about playing at the highest level in the world, doing two of the hardest things to do in sports, this guy's a freak i mean he's an incredible athlete incredible talent and you can't just create shohei otani's out of thin air so if you have the right guy the right talent sure i'm totally open to it but uh those guys don't come around very often
0: another guy that doesn't come around very often is mike trout and unfortunately and fortunately he's in the division (laughs) so we've gotten to watch I mean, he's hit, what, 38 career home runs? 38, right? 38 career it, home runs against the A's. feels like
1: 3,800.
0: I mean, <laughs> just peppers the ball, <laughs> and he's fast. And it, when you look at the data around him, just how great is he?
1: He's he's as great as you can possibly think up. I mean, I know there's other great players in the game, and the Sotos and Acunas and Tatises. is like, no one is this guy. And we've seen it up close now for a decade uh, and he is, he's incredible and he's having as good a year as he's ever had. And I think I read yesterday his OPS plus is higher than it's ever been his, in his career when all when we just talked about with all the numbers that are down, the offensive environment totally changed, this guy has figured out a way to continue being incredible.
0: Only one guy has finished a season over 233 OPS plus since World War II. And that was multiple times done by Super Barry. <laughs> when, when, you're, yeah. when you're at Super Barry's level, no I mean, doubt. it just tells you it's like there's just not, And it's kind of like with Barry, like, how do you get him out? It's like with yeah. Trout, like, what, what does it say? Like, what, what do you do? Like, what, where do you go? Where do you, I mean.
1: Walk him and pitch to the Rhino. I mean, yeah, that, it, it's hard. And with this lineup now with Taylor Ward swinging the bat the way he is with Otani, like, you can't just pitch around him the way you have in previous years, so it's makes this it's going to make this a really challenging weekend, and that's what makes him you know the best player we've ever seen. What
0: are you enjoying about this season? <laughs> we always get so weird because you got to make decisions. What yeah. are you
1: enjoying? I enjoy the wins. I still love winning more than I hate losing, so. Uh, look, I, I think we know how challenging this is. You know, we know we're giving opportunities to a lot of young kids, and we're playing in a tough division. Um, but when all that comes together on a given night to put up a W, it still feels really good.
0: Well, I know you got this guy in AAA that's uh, swinging it really well, and we had Fran Reardon on, and Fran said, first of all, I got to tell you, StatCast tells you how fast this kid is. <laughs> and that there's one thing when the manager tells you, but he says right. StatCast. Shaylang Lear's StatCast says the guy flies. He can run, yeah. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. He swings it. He swings it for power, and he can run. When you start looking at his future, because obviously we're now probably looking at minors more than we normally do. Um, Is that a catcher if he runs the way he does?
1: Right now it is. I mean, he's so good back there, you know, both receiving, throwing. I mean, I get reports every night. This guy's throwing a 185 down to second, a 189. He's really good back there. He's a weapon on defense too. So... Uh, look, obviously, we've got a gold-glove caliber catcher here right now who, who hits in the middle of our lineup. So until we lobby the league to play two catchers at once, we're going to have to figure that out. But uh, it's great to see what Shea's doing. I get, I get those same texts from Fran about how fast he is, how what an impact he has on the game, and it's, it's exciting. And at some point, yeah, we're probably going to have to find a way to get him here. But uh, I hope he keeps doing what he's doing at AAA for now.
0: Yeah, he sounds like Johnny Bench with wheels. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, you got a gold glove catcher. And you can only play one catcher. Yep. Well, I want to see him hit. Where could he play?
1: Yeah, I think we're, we're going to have to figure that out. We do have a DH spot. So that, and we've used it for Murph a lot on his, quote, days off behind the plate. So we, we could be creative there. Um, you know, Shea hasn't played anywhere else, so we don't have that answer yet. But it's something we're going to start discussing.
0: Well, that movie Moneyball, uh, Brad Pitt was saying it's easy to play first base,
1: <laughs> right? It's incredibly hard. Wash, it.
0: <laughs> you know, and, and, and you know, when, when you're looking at certain guys, and we'll end on this because I, I saw him today. We hadn't seen him since spring training. There's some guys that bring this element to the clubhouse, and that is Ramon Loriano. He brings that toughness. He brings, he brings that. I want to go out there and kick the you-know-what out of the other team. Yep. You just can't replace that. You can't teach it. It's just something that's there. Just talk about. That edge he brings on and off the field to this clubhouse and to this ball club.
1: Yeah, it's felt, it felt more normal the last seven days watching our games, watching our lineup with him in it because you, you get used to sort of the energy he brings, the sort of game-interrupting effect he has out there, though he probably could have stayed a little closer to third base yesterday <laughs> in, in the first inning. But, uh, no, it's it's – it, it just feels normal to have him back. And I know how hard he worked during his time off and, and and how much he wanted to be here. So I'm happy for Ramon that he served his time. He's back now and he's he's where he wants to be.
0: We've talked about it before. There's the good and the bad, but you got to take yeah, both because that's do. who he
1: is. <laughs> You're right. That's, you know, so someone asked me about it. I said, hey, that's Ramon. That's, you know, how, how does he get that far off third or get fooled by the Little League play? That's Ramon.
0: Yeah. <laughs> But it's all the other stuff that where when he's tracking a ball down right. to left center and throwing guys out of first and you're looking at the stat cast going, how far did he throw? You gotta you gotta let the thoroughbred run, right? Kind of like Pat yes. Pache's the same way.
1: Yeah, you let you go yeah, I mean Ramon ran down that ball in Triple's alley the other day. You just you see the way he runs out of the box down you know, around the bases. So yeah, he, it's nice to have him back.
0: No matter what, we're gonna ask you each week. What are you happy about? What's a, we we <laughs> gotta stay positive at times, I and mean, we gotta like discuss it. everything. But I like it. remember what we, this. It's a game. We're supposed to be having a good time.
1: That's, I, read, I saw that in a movie at some point. This game's and, fun, goddamn it, right?
0: And 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 <laughs> Cody wanted me ask you: Are you worried about the W's? About the Dubs?
1: No, Dub not, Nation. Are you no panicking? Worried. Some no. people are panicking. No, they'll take care of it tonight. I'm not worried. Okay, there you go. he's a big. <laughs> I've seen him at Warrior
0: Warrior games. He's a fan.
1: They'll be fine.
0: All right. We'll talk to you next week. See you guys. It's the David Forrest Show right here on A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.